Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Welcome back to the 12th episode of the Short Track Talk podcast. Today, we have here a Danish writer with us. She's been performing really, really well this year. She's had some outstanding results, such as being 8th in the World Championships, in the Cross Country World Championships. She was 7th in the Cross Country Marathon World Championships. She's a writer for the KMC Urea Factory team. And for those who don't know who I'm talking about yet, today we have the chance and the pleasure to have here with us Malena Deng. Good morning, Malena. How are you doing today? Good morning. Um, I'm good. I've just been out riding. So a shower, some lunch, and I'm, yeah, feeling good. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for coming to the podcast. It's a true pleasure to have you here. And yeah, uh, how's the off-season feeling like? Well, you just said you got off the bike, so not, not so much for an off-season. Actually, it's my first ride today after a while off the bike. Um, so like you said, I did the, the Marathon World Championship some weeks ago. I Actually, I'm not sure when it was, but it was a, like more than a month, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, since then, I have been like really easygoing with riding. And now I've just had two weeks completely off. Um, I bought a new apartment, so I've been working a lot on that in the past two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so a different kind of training than normal, but no, it's been great. So yeah. All season is kind of over now. I start to build on from today. Oh, uh, that's that's good to hear. That seems you've you've enjoyed and you've kept yourself busy instead of uh, riding a bike, just Indeed. lifting weights <laughs> and building building furniture. I'm sure. Um, yeah, no, it's been great. That's good to hear. And how are you feeling after uh, well a whole season? Uh, how how are those two weeks off for you? Must have felt good at the end. Yeah, like actually after this season, so yeah, we had the last World Cup was in Val de Sola. Um, after that race, I was just, whoa, like I was so dead. Um, that like, yeah, I came home and I almost felt like hangover, you know, like you've been out like crazy night out. Like I, I, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I just like got home and, you know, I was just in bed for I think three days and I I just couldn't really move and I think that like because we start racing already in February and then we go through like like so many months of just like work and races and on and on like so I think I was really like when I got home I just I couldn't do anything so these like couple of weeks now without any riding not even thinking about bikes just like waking up and yeah like you say painting and doing all these things like (laughs) It's been really great for me mentally. Just and actually, I quite enjoy it. I know some riders they really struggle to have a true off season. They want to ride and train all the time, but I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I find that like these are some weeks every year that I get to do something different and I get to be a little bit of a different kind of Malena. Um, yeah, not to think about when I go to bed or what I, what I eat or what I do in my day, if it's good for my recovery or, you know, I don't have to think about all these things. I can just like, that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a bit different and I kind of like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a way more relaxed way of life, I'd say. It's, it's a very different to when you're competing and you have to be thinking literally about everything you eat, you sleep, you rest, what you do and what yeah. you don't do. So having exactly. a rest from that must feel nice. But it does. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear. I see you're really happy, so that's nice. Uh, it looks like the off season's going well on you. 
And uh, now uh, talking a little bit about Malena, the writer, we'll get to Malena, the person at some point in the interview, but let's start with the writer first. How did Malena first get on a bike? Um, so I started riding with my dad when I was like nine years old. Um, so yeah, I started just like that. Like we, he bought me a mountain bike and we just rode in the weekends. And then some of the boys from my class and school that I was good friends with, I was like, you should come with me, go to the forest. And all of a sudden I had a little crew of uh, friends going in the mountain biking in the forest in the weekend. And from there, honestly, just developed, you know, like from being nine years old, just riding around with your dad and your friends. So then suddenly it's like my, pretty much my whole social life. And it was like, it got so like everywhere in my life. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, that's amazing. It's a really nice story to hear. And then, uh, like you mentioned, from a girl riding in the forest with her dad to in 2013, uh, winning a junior World Cup in Norway. Uh, yeah. What's the, <laughs> how does that girl who just enjoyed riding in the forest, go to competing, competing at that level, being uh, best best junior in the world, really? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I think I um, I spent a lot of, like, my teenage or so from, like, whatever, like, nine to, yeah, these 18 years old when I was junior, um, just, like, enjoying riding. And I had, like, a massive, like, social life. And I had a really good network of, coaches and friends and really great people involved around me and I think that made me develop the way I do um we also had like a new national coach who was like just starting the job there and he was really looking towards the younger generation and wanted to build something and I was lucky enough to be a part of this young generation of talents or whatever that he saw and and helped a lot so Yes, like from family and friends and the federation, I was kind of lifted. And I think, yeah, that all kind of culminated, or how you say it in English, um, to that junior years where I just, I really surprised myself with being like podium every weekend in juniors in the World Cup. That was crazy. Um, I didn't see it coming at all, but I was like, well, okay, I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could call it like that. You're saying you're good at it. I'd say you were really good at it. <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned, it's mostly the whole atmosphere uh, just building up to uh, getting you to where you got. And it's been a pretty successful career so far, I'd say. It must have been pretty special. And then, uh, yeah, you just uh, kept traveling around, around 2017, first year with Ghost, under 23. Yeah. And it was a pretty good year. Uh, and then to 2018, second year with Ghost, under 23 again, and you really go off at it. Stellenbosch win the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Schachter, Novia Mesto second, and a couple more podiums over, over here and there. Uh, how is that getting closer to the professional level and realizing that you were still there and you, you really had a, a good shot at being a professional as an elite? So when I was junior, I got a partnership with Canyon. And that kind of like continued into my under 23 years. Um, and I think actually my four years in under 23, they were good, but they were also quite hard because like the age you have in this category, there's like, at least for me, so many things were happening in my life. You know, I was like growing up, I was becoming an adult, like teenage girl to action adult. And I think also over those four years, my results went up and down. Like in general, it was good. And every year I had a few good results. And especially my last year, like you mentioned, there was 
really good for me. But the years before, it was really like a bit up and down and stuff. And I think it's just like, you know, I was in high school. There was like boyfriends and parties. And there was just so many things going on in my head. I moved out with my parents. And it was like, you know, it's just a time in life where so many things were happening that it was like, and I, and I wanted those to happen. Like, I didn't just want to ride my bike and not care about anything else. Um, so I think it affected quite my years. And then I had one year left under 23 and I had one year more contract with Ghost. And I was like, okay, it's time to kick ass, you know? <laughs> so, like, okay. so I really like tried to put cycling first now. And I just did everything I could to perform well that year. And it went really well. Um, so it was a really good, like, starting point going into the elite category knowing like hey i'm able to do this when i focus 100 percent. i mean absolutely i'd say it worked out pretty well for you <laughs> <laughs> oh you mentioned it was it was time to kick ass and you did kick some ass there that year <laughs> yeah like, no it was like yeah it was time and yeah and then i i continued into the lead and i got on the obea team um the KMC obea and just like yeah i've been there for the past four years now and been amazing and a really a journey i was going to ask you what does a team have that has kept you going there for so long and so happy because there's riders that just uh spend two years in one team they, they go another two years or maybe one year contract then they just keep changing but for you it's been been pretty straightforward since you were an elite uh so what does the KMC or Bay have yeah i i really like there's a lot of great teams out there um i'm sure and i i haven't of course not seen them all met them all but um for me the kmc obia has just been like it was such a like a little family i came into this little french crew they are based in paris and they're just like i like the french you know and i i really like the way they are so professional but on the same way they are very chill and like they don't take things like they see you as a human first and an athlete second and I really like their approach to many things and yeah I'm just feeling good and happy and I can be myself which I think is quite important and they want me to perform well but it's not like you know I don't get an email the day before the race that okay if you don't perform this isn't this happening you know like they are just encouraging me as who I am to perform the best and want to help me and yeah just really like the people and also I had great teammates there um and that means a lot too you know you travel with these people so many days a year so having a good group where you can like you help each other and have fun times and all this so important um so yeah I've been really happy there it's been great yeah I can tell just by looking at your face while you're telling it <laughs> <laughs> And I'd say definitely, like you mentioned, uh, just having a team that lets you be yourself and that lets mm. you uh, live your life. It's really important because at the end of the day, if you've got some, someone closing up on you, you're just going to feel the pressure and it's not going to go as well. So it's really important. And now, uh, well, yeah, you had quite a lot of podiums. Like I couldn't, I, I couldn't name them all, them all because we didn't <laughs> finish the interview. But uh, 2019, first Danish cross-country Olympic championship uh, must have been pretty special for you. It was. It was, um, yeah, it was It was quite crazy. Um, I have uh, my all-time rival, Caroline Bohet. Um, we are, like, good friends, but, uh, like, we are really good friends. She was just here at my place yesterday. We had coffee together and we ride a lot, but we also like the biggest competitors, you know, and especially when it comes to the Danish championships. So 
we had like an ongoing battle for many years and that one was just super special like winning and my family was there and my team was there and just like taking that top spot it means a lot and you get to ride in the red and white jersey all year and yeah that's that's great now Caroline has been riding in it for the past two years so I feel like next summer it's time to change <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I mean it does <laughs> it does sound like t time for a good race I might, I might have to look at my schedule to go to the Danish national championships you should you should it looks like a really good competition <laughs> but yeah uh, no, uh, that's great. And uh, a couple of things that caught my attention, you've been doing throughout, throughout the years, uh, 2020 pandemic, but you raced an Eliminator World Cup. Oh, yes. It? How did you um, end up raising in that? And how was it just in general? I'm, I'm not sure, like, I'm 100% allowed to tell the truth, but I mean, I think I can, no, I think I can do it. Okay, I think the problem was, actually, I, it was in COVID time. Yeah. And there was quite strict rules to enter Spain. Uh, you're fine. No, uh, you're fine. You're all good to tell it. Like, I'm Spanish. Okay. To tell it, really. Go ahead. And, and, like, we had, like, we, like, I had to get to Spain and I was living there, but I, I didn't have my, like, first residence in Spain. Um, so they didn't, like, they didn't believe that I was living there. So I had to come up with something. And if you had work, like, if you had, something in spain you could get in so i was googling like mountain bike races in spain this weekend <laughs> and then that eliminator in barcelona i came i was like okay that's it so i called the organizer I was like i need a letter that i'm doing this race because i need to enter spain and he was like sure cool and he made this letter and i ended up going to the eliminator and it was actually quite cool like it was it was pretty fun um, so that was both Eliminator and Short Track. It was in the middle of Barcelona and it was really cool. But the whole story about it was a bit weird. Like, well, I, but they really helped me out. So that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, I would say at some point throughout COVID, we all did something like that. So you're, you're all good. Exactly. You're, you're all good. Uh, no, that's, that's <laughs> a pretty funny. <laughs> it's a pretty funny story to tell, uh, honestly. And yeah, but like, uh, how was it racing in the Eliminator itself, like the the discipline? Because, you know, like 10 years ago, uh, like riders in the World Cup used to race Eliminators instead of short track. So yeah. how was that experience for you? Because you're quite young still, so you didn't get to race there. Yeah, I think it was like my second Eliminator in my life. I've done one in Germany before, but I'm not the big sprinter. Like, I'm not such a, I'm, I'm not the Eliminator type, I would say, so... But it was fine, like... Well, there's a type? Yeah, I think a bit. Like, you have to have some, like, boom when you push it. But I, I'm a bit, like, diesel, you know? I'm getting into yeah. it. I'm not so... And you need that. So I was, like... I was struggling a bit, but it was fun. And, the, like, the intensity is just so different, you know? Like, you are there and you have to be on it. And then you have, like, this super short circuit and it's over really quick and yeah I don't know it was it was a different and then after we did the short track and that was a bit more in my um my zone you know <laughs> yeah. more of your comfort zone you could call it and all that that's absolutely fine and yeah you're more of a diesel rider so yeah. for example how do you how do you manage on on Friday short tracks um actually it has been a bit of a struggle for me like I am I have not like I should like I, I really like it so 
I'm not really super good at it, but I, I really enjoy the events. I think it's super nice atmosphere. We arrive Friday evening, there's like this hive around it and there's a lot of spectators and a lot of viewers at home. And actually I quite like it, super intense, 20 minutes, boom, like, but I have struggled a bit to perform. Like I'm, it feels like the first lap of a cross country race, but just a little bit harder. And uh, I'm not really good at the first lap when I go to the race. <laughs> so I had some good ones, but one of my goals is to make it into the top eight in short track to get to start on the front row on the Sunday's race. And I didn't achieve this goal yet, but um, I have more races to come. So that's definitely one of them. I was going to say, just like the Danish National Championship next year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you do still have a lot of races ahead. And then... Uh, uh, last year you re- you raced against in in Spain an e-bike world cup yeah so how is racing in the e-bike yeah so my last off season so last year I um, I tried a lot of new disciplines like yeah like you say eliminator e-bike and then enduro like I I tried a lot of different things and yeah the e-bike was also cool but I didn't really understand 100% like how to ride an e-bike like it's it's quite a discipline like you you can't just come from your country bike go on the e-bike and expect it to be the same just with the engine like it's so different so I was a little bit funky at it um and also before the race so we did a qualifying and then we did a race and I said I haven't done much e-bike so I didn't really think I had to charge my battery so I started the country race with 60% and I was like, it's more than fine. Like it's an hour. It's fine. And then I started and I went full turbo mode the whole time until like the last lap. So it was like 15 minutes ago. It started to be red and it was like, Melina, there's no more battery. Like shit. So I went down in eco mode and I was in the front and I had a little gap. But in eco mode, you, you, you don't get that far. <laughs> and I could just see behind me. I was like, okay, she, she's coming. She's coming after me. And this other woman in turbo mode she just catch me and I ended up second so I was a bit like super newbie you know like <laughs> I should have charged my bike but but yeah it was an experience <laughs> I mean uh, I'm sure there's more people that could tell this story that just not brave enough to go ahead and tell it on public I'm sure it's not the only one who's gone through something like that I hope so. I hope I'm not the only one, but yeah, starting a race with 60% is not optimal, guys. Just so you know. Nice. You were chilling. That's fine. You were chilling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. I, you got some good stories to tell. I got to say, like, I'm. It's, <laughs> this is a pretty fun interview, let me tell you. Uh, I know. <laughs> But yeah, uh, now uh, I'm sure you got plenty of more stories like that to tell by the looks of it, but I'll let you keep them for a bit. <laughs> and what is it you enjoy doing outside of the bike? Like I saw on Instagram some DIY do-it-yourself stuff by Malena. So mm-hmm. is this something you enjoyed doing or was it just part of the moving into a new apartment? Well, for sure, I, I like to do this kind of project. So when I have time for it and yeah, it's like finding like uh, secondhand furniture or clothes or whatever it's I love it and like for example the furniture then you can paint it or fix it a bit and it gets better and I, I I really like this kind of stuff also with my apartment like I was like okay I just want to paint it like I wanted to do it myself and I have these things that like 
So I like to use my hands and like do things like this. So for sure, outside writing, it's one of my like. I also like to paint and be creative. Like just yeah, being creative is like something I really enjoy. Actually, it's also why and one of the reasons why I like Instagram a lot because I feel like it's a space where I can be quite creative. You know, like I can make these nice photos and I can make stories and put text on them or some small filters and I, I think it's really nice I really enjoy it mostly because of the like more creative side I can do <laughs> no yeah it's just something that lets you be yourself actually so if it's something you enjoy you're pretty good at it I'd say uh, from following your social media so thank you oh, oh good and so it's creative side and now more of a difficult question I don't know if you thought about it yourself uh, maybe not but if you had, hadn't been on the bike riding, uh, what would you be right now? What, what is it you would you would have enjoyed doing maybe in a future life or similar? So like you mean if I hadn't got a mountain bike when I was nine years old? Like... Yeah, or if you weren't a professional right now, uh, what is it uh, you'd maybe enjoy to be doing uh, something different or hmm. maybe something related to sport too or maybe nothing, absolutely nothing related to sport? Well, I have always been a super sporty or athletic person um like yeah like almost every sport I started at as a kid I was pretty good so for sure I've always enjoyed sports and I no matter if I had found mountain biking I had always been like active so I'm sure even when I stop a career I will continue being super active like I really enjoy it um but yeah like I think also I am studying right now but for sure if I didn't go full on the sports and being professional, I would have gone to the university and studied something there. Um, I quite enjoy learning new things, both if it's on the bike, but also like school-wise. Um, so for sure I had done that. Probably been a bit more normal kid. Normal. I mean, <laughs> each, one, each one lives its life, right? Uh, like, no, no, I'm sure many people who are just normal kids wish to say they're professional cycling athletes. But yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you what you're studying right now? You just said. Yeah, I am studying in a mix of the economy and marketing. Um, and I chose this because I thought that it would be a great like asset after my cycling career um, to do something, to work in the industry. Um, but with having the experience from being a rider and then have some studying of that, like economy and marketing on the side. Um, so yeah that's why I chose it and I think it's quite nice and fun and I like it so I yeah I just like I like to think a bit about where am I going in my life and what am I doing and I want definitely to have a career in something else after my biking stops um, so yeah that's that's why I did this and I'm doing it now um, it's a little bit tough to mix it um, but it's okay I like it yeah that was going to be my next question uh how is it uh <laughs> studying writing training nutrition sleeping and studying yeah it? so actually this semester um after this semester i'm gonna take a break the next spring uh because the the past spring i took a semester and it was quite difficult to mix world cup racing and then um yeah doing exams like just around i think the day before or two days before Leogang, I arrived super late there for the short track because I had an exam. So that whole week I'd been studying and then going to Leogang for the race, it was quite not um, ideal. Not not ideal, you know. So um so 
so for sure um, I need to take like this next semester off um because but yeah I also think for me like last spring that semester I had to come to terms with not being perfect in school you know I'm quite like I want to be good at the stuff I'm doing but cycling meant more and does mean more to me than my studies I was like this is what I want to be as perfect as I can and in school I had to be like okay you know what I do my best and we just see what's how it goes and I went through and it was fine <laughs> but yeah I could definitely have done more in my studies but I was like yeah you need to sometimes be okay with not doing 110% and not being perfect yeah I mean uh, mm-hmm. like you said it's really difficult to be able to be perfect at everything in life unless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're Nino or Yolanda which can, terms is just just easy right yeah Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no but yeah like you mentioned it's all about putting the attention point somewhere where you just enjoy doing it and going all in and if you're performing 100% on one thing uh, you can't really ask to be performing 100% on everything else yeah exactly it's a pretty good philosophy of life I'd say also not putting too much pressure on yourself and just uh, maybe uh, not allowing yourself to p- perform as my as well as you would in other situations but yeah well that's good uh, it's interesting to to listen that writers also study for people that for maybe younger people that are listening to us right now it's also good that to let them know that they can be sports athletes but they can also keep studying and uh, look forward to a career and yeah like you mentioned uh, it's really interesting. Many writers that as long as many, many writers, as soon as they finish their career, they just want to stay connected to the world, stay connected to the industry. And for them, it's just even easier because uh, they got the whole network and done already. Just have, it's a matter of uh, finding the right spot for them. So that's good. And it's also great to see how athletes want to stay connected because at the end of the day, they're the ones that know the most about the sport, right? For sure. Like, no, I, and I love the cycling industry. I think the people I have met through like sponsors and just companies, they are really enthusiastic and motivated for what they do. And many of them, or most of them are riding bikes themselves. And yeah, I think like it's really, and it's a constantly like moving industry. Like there's so many new things coming. And I think that's, really great and many different people and yeah so I, I would I could easily see myself work in this um, industry and yeah I think yeah one of the good things about knowing this sport is also that you can use a lot of that um, knowledge when you come out and do something different with it absolutely it's just a matter about of applying all the knowledge uh, to somewhere specific and it will it will turn out to be to be great and be creating uh, great stuff and now a question i ask those who have had the chance so far to be olympians like yourself how is that feeling uh, how is it last year knowing you finally qualified to tokyo uh, how is it traveling there although i've been told by those who have lived already two Olympics or three, which I've had them already on the podcast that it was, it was different Olympics, but it's still Olympics. So how was the experience for you in general, uh, going as a Danish, a Danish rider to the world, to the Olympics, most important event in the world? Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Honestly, I, um, it was a massive dream of mine for so many years. I, I watched the Olympics in Rio. Um, we had Annika Langvold from Denmark going there and that really put that dream inside of me I was like okay okay next time I need to go that looks so cool and um, yeah I just worked for that for 
those for five years and um yeah it was just you know you have this like massive dream and you put everything into it and you really want to like qualify and you just like you put so much energy and like mental game into it and then it happens and it's like oh okay like you know it, it's a weird feeling honestly when something like you really dreams up and you really feel so big in your head it's happening I didn't really know what to do with myself when it was actually happening um but yeah it was just it was so great like getting the suitcase from the Olympic team Denmark team with all the clothes you know you get so much different clothes for the in March of all just like going to dinners and there's like sports just for everything and everything is full of Olympics and just like wow like it was cool I opened it with my whole family and we went through all the clothing we just catwalks in the living room and you know all these kind of things like really special memories for me and then going there um yeah it was just special like I don't know how long I have been before COVID so I have nothing to compare it with with for me it was an insane experience and just so cool and all the you could really feel like it was it was just a mountain migration you know you were just on the start line and it felt like any other race you know but then on the other hand it was not like any other race at all um and and that like feeling of being like hey it's just a mountain migration like last weekend but on the other hand it's also something something completely different was quite special um but yeah I, I love in general that pressure that comes with that and I think I deliver pretty well on the pressure so to me I just try to like suck in all this kind of oh it's so special and it's exciting I really like took it all in because for me it helps me to perform like on a better level but yeah, insane, overall insane experience. And I'm just, I really want to do everything to go again in Paris. Like it's on, you know. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, you're probably having a great preparation for next year because it's those who perform well next year are going to Paris. And also it's right next to home. Well, I can to Tokyo, of course. It's way closer. Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. no, no, I for sure I'm doing my best to prepare well for the whole qualification space that comes up now and then the next step is actually going <laughs> going of course uh, it's never easy but if you like you mentioned before putting in 100 110 and just going all in uh, absolutely and then you've talked about uh, paris one of being one of your goals and improve improvement in the short track at some point and what is it you would like to do uh, in terms of next season uh, what is it you would really have in mind that hey I want to get better at this or this is a race yeah. I really a race with a pinpoint on the calendar well so for sure I want to increase like my level in the world cup so this year I've been around top 20 until like the last month where I really like stepped it up for Europeans world and the oh. last uh, yeah the last world cup so I think ending my season on that high also motivated me a lot to know like, hey, Melina, you can do it. Like those top 10s or even podiums, they're not that far. And when you put in like the right work and things are going well for you, you can be there. But like, I just want to in general, like just take the consistency I had in this season and make it a bit faster next year. But have the same consistency and balance in my life but yeah so that like I don't have like right now like one race or something where I'm really like I'm always super excited for world championships 
I always love this race and I'm for sure I want to do everything to perform again well at this race. Um, so that's always like a little bit on a pity style for me. Whether it's at the World Cup, I I will figure out later which ones where I really want to perform and which ones where it's just like, it's okay. But in general, I just want to make a good overall. I think that means quite a lot. Well, I mean, of course, uh, just having a regular season, like you mentioned, and uh, being constant and also having the motivation of seeing yourself uh, constantly there mostly every weekend uh, that gives you a little push and the motivation that of course helps and like you mentioned uh, you finished the season with eighth in the europeans eighth in the world uh top 15 of Aldisole. so i'd say i say you're really there and i'm sure you'll be you'll be stuck there for a few years and uh, you'll be giving us <laughs> some no, i just say what i see uh, from the writing and from all the energy and the spirit you put in it uh, that's clearly show that uh, you're passionate about it and that uh, at some point or the other, uh, you'll you'll get to where you want to be. So that's really good. And now the question, uh, which is sometimes a difficult topic in women, especially because of the weight, nutrition. So do you have someone to help you with it? Is it something you control yourself or is it something you don't really pay much attention to, which I'm sure you do, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I ha- had a few times help from nutritionists um where over a couple of months I would work with someone and but I have not worked with someone like years after years like I just had a few months talking to someone and then kind of stopped or whatever so not really something consistently but yeah for sure I care about nutrition it's like when you train the amount we do and with the quality we do um and the quality we want we need to fuel ourselves well so for sure, I care like that I don't eat a lot of crap and that I just like have a good routine in my nutrition and yeah, like trying to do my best. Like honestly, I wake up every day and I'm like trying to do my best, you know? And of course, I'm also human and we can't do everything the perfect way all the time, but I'm trying my best to just like have the, the spirit or whatever to do my best every day. And yeah, I, I care. Like I try to eat well and yeah <laughs> yeah uh, just in general and do you have anything that just is your favorite cheap meal after a race uh, we had thomas letcher a few weeks ago saying that it was nothing like a pizza and a beer after a race uh, sure. i don't know honestly after many races i'm quite like hammered i you know you, you eat a lot of gels and all these kind of things over my whole stuff and maybe you took some coffee and then yeah, body after the race just- my whole body is just dead and my stomach is like not good. Um, so I don't really like, honestly, you know, it's all so stupid, but I don't really crave something like super specific after race because my stomach is just like, meh. it will be more the Monday. I would Monday. love to do like a brunch with like pancakes or some nice waffles or something a little bit delicious. But honestly, Sunday evening, I'm like, not good <laughs> <laughs> no yeah uh, that makes total sense especially after taking all the gels and the caffeine uh, for those who are yeah. not eating them, they, they do have a take on your stomach and your body usually uh, depending on the amount you take in and it's not the best feeling always after taking them but it's part and, of the- and if you drink a beer after a race like that like you get drunk straight up because you're just like dehydrated you're just done like It'll kill you if you drink one beer. You're just like, okay, it's over. But sometimes that can also be good. Like, you know, if you just like, you had a bad race or whatever, and you just want to go to sleep, you just drink 
half a beer and you're like, okay, I'll go to sleep. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, setting the example we want to hear from, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't do it Friday after the short track knowing I had a World Cup coming on Sunday. <laughs> Just Sundays, right? Like Friday, Friday <laughs> yeah, is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh well, but yeah, I uh, know absolutely. Uh, just having uh, something to relax, and especially when you you, you have so much exigence uh, and throughout the week, uh, especially when it's exactly. World Cup World Cup weekend. So having something on the Monday after that just clears your head, lets you finally enjoy something, and and gets all the pressure out, right? Exactly. And speaking of pressure, uh, how do you usually handle it? How is it for you handling the pressure thing? Uh, against the best of the best and having the best of the best to either sides of you and raising yeah. against them and well you're the best of the best obviously too so <laughs> <laughs> no but for sure when when you're standing on the start line and you have like Pauline and Yolanda and Jenny Smith around you you're like whoa this is like big stars you know <laughs> um, so for sure in the race it's a lot about confidence um, you know daring to say hey I'm as good as them I can go or I think today I am or whatever like but in general with pressure around the races like to deliver I'm so far in my career it hasn't been a problem for me um, I think things can change you know like if you suddenly if I one day like leading the World Cup or something like this like I think it, things will change things I don't know how fields will feel different but right now I kind of enjoy to have pressure on me. Um, I think my attitude in general in life is a bit more like chill. And I sometimes it's good for me that a race is a bit more like, Melina, you have to do it. Come on, it's time to perform. Like we are expecting you to do this. And that's I think also why sometimes I like feel at championships, you know, because I feel like championships, there's a lot of stake and that like, gets me to another level than I am, am maybe on a normal Sunday. Um, so so far in my career, I quite enjoy the pressure, but I don't know how it will be in the future. <laughs> well, it's good to know that you won't have to be charging a cross-country bike before a race, just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you just have to charge your Garmin and stuff, which can always yeah, be which, a which is way easier, of course. Just... <laughs> plugging it i know absolutely and now uh, as much as i enjoyed uh, this interview i don't want to make it too long i mean i literally spent a lot of time hearing stories so to finish off the interview on a high note i like to tell you a story like the ones you've told a few of them uh, such as the chart not charging the the bike or getting into spain <laughs> through covid i'm sure you've got plenty uh, of them oh my god i have to tell a story <laughs> um Damn, I don't know, man. That's hard. Just like that. Um, Out of the blue. Uh, yeah, it's just a funny story because I've seen you, you've got quite a few, so I'm sure you got more of them. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, most of my funny stories, not, it's not uh, for podcasting. That's like all, offline. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. That's hard to just tell a story and, like, right mm. now. I don't know. Just something on the race weekend, being in the start line, uh, forgetting your oh. helmet, something like that. For sure, I've done a few times where I bring like gloves, two gloves also off the, for example, two gloves of the right hand, 
<laughs> Dennis left on a right. Like stuff like I think sometimes people think that like professional cyclists or road car racers, they got everything no. fully on, like they know everything, they have everything perfect, it's good, but honestly, no, sometimes you arrive and you forgot your bibs or you forgot your gloves and it's like it's a mess. Um and you come into the room and it's like we we call it like the junior like What's it called in English? I don't even know. Like the junior room, that's like a room where you have to open the suitcase and it's exploded, you know. And it's closed everywhere. It's like the junior suitcase. And um, like there's a few of those in my team already. So like you think we got everything super perfect, but nah, we got junior suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll buy that. And now uh, last question. I'm probably quite a difficult one. Uh, can you give me a song to put at the end of the podcast? A song? Oh, um, okay, wait. Let's see what I, I listened to the last. It can, be, like... can be something you enjoy, a motivating song. I don't really mind. Just something you're choosing to put at the end. Um, <laughs> that's really not easy, man. Um... <laughs> Okay, I really like right now one called Texas Sun. Texas Sun, okay. Yeah. And who's the artist? Leon Bridges. Leon Bridges, okay. Uh, now I'm scared because you just asked me if I'm allowed to play anything. So <laughs> I, I don't know why. I don't know what you can expect from that, but I'll put it on. I'll leave everybody. I guess so, like on YouTube, because sometimes I make YouTube videos, and they're really, really strict with copyrights and stuff. I know, no, like, no. With that, I'm, I'm all good. Well, I, I'm not important enough to get copyrighted. So, that's true, <laughs> that's good... <laughs> how come you actually started this, this uh, short, uh, lot of well, podcast? I'm myself. I'm a spectator, also an organizer mm-hmm. in Spain uh, from a C1 race up north. Ah. Yeah, uh, we had Gianni Carlo last year, actually, from your team, uh, racer Arsh. Yeah. So I just love the sport in general. I'm really interested in it. I'm studying something which has absolutely nothing to do with the uh, sport, but uh, this is what I really enjoy doing. So I thought it'd be something interesting, which not only for me, but for those who end up listening to the podcast, they just uh, find out something more about the writers, but to find out they're also person, not only writers, because at the end of the day, if you don't see the world from the inside, you only know, you only really get to know the the writer by itself you only see them on races you only see them on social mm-hmm. media right so i feel like making these interviews and just uh getting to know the person instead of the writer a little bit more just makes it more interesting no for sure it's a really good idea i was just curious but yeah we all look way cooler on instagram than we am in real life <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah. no nah. but like <laughs> no, no that's uh, great yeah, so that's that's how it started. It's going well, pretty. It's going well so far. Uh, sometimes I struggle to find podcasts like people who want to come to interviews, but mm-hmm. I I manage to handle it every week at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, it's really cool. It's great you do this also for the sport. So good job. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so now, <laughs> uh, well, thank you for coming to the podcast. It's been a true pleasure. I really enjoyed the interview. And uh, we'll leave everybody with Texas Sun from Liam Bridges. Thank you so much for having me. It was great.
you like the wind blowing through your hair Come on, roll with me till the sun goes down Texas sun Say you wanna hit the highway while the engine roars well, Come on, roll with me till the sun goes down